Hi, Sergio. Hi, Maurice. How are you? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my name is Morris, and this is Harajuku Data Lake, which is a weekly talk show about tech and startups in Japan, Europe, and the U.S. In today's inaugural episode, we introduce ourselves and talk about last week's database incident at GitLab. So let's get started. Okay. All right. So as I said, I'm Morris. I've been living in Japan for about 11 years. I grew up in Indiana in the U.S., and I work at as an engineer. And um, Oh, and I'm gay. So that's me. <laughs> Sergio, uh, who is Sergio? Sorry, sorry to cut, but I, I think that <laughs> later you can cut this, but um, I think maybe it's better if you like introduce me, no? Like, okay. like oh, I am, I am Maurice, this is my my weekly talk, podcast, whatever, and then you say something like, oh, we are going to have a special guest for some weeks or something like that, and <laughs> okay. he's going to be Sergio, so, something like that, no? Like, like uh, I, yeah, I introduce like Sergio, no? So I, I give the word to Sergio to explain, because right now when you start, nobody's gonna know that i'm there no and it's like someone is laughing over that <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I think people get like the general gist of the podcast right there two there's got to be two people right or it's not a podcast i don't yeah, know that's true that's true that's true okay <laughs> i'm i'm not gonna I, i'm not gonna gonna cut you anymore okay this is the first and last time but this about just the understand each other okay okay what we're saying and maybe if we say something that is not polite later we can discuss okay in the review but yeah yeah okay all right you know all of this is going to go in the podcast no i hope <laughs> no no this is what That's people private. tune in for they tune in for like the real like you know the actual like being part of our lives like being part of our lives troubleshooting skype and <laughs> okay, okay okay um so introduction take two huh Welcome to Harajuku Data Lake. This is a weekly podcast with me and my co-host for the next few episodes, Sergio. And uh, we're talking about tech startups in Japan, Europe, and the US. In today's inaugural episode, we're going to uh, do uh, some introductions and then talk about last week's database incident at GitLab, which we've been talking about at lunch for the past four days. So should be pretty interesting. So to get started... Uh, my name is Morris. I've been living in Japan for about 11 years. I'm working as an engineer right now. And um, yeah, I grew up in Indiana in the US and I'm gay. And my co-host, uh, Sergio, on the line is... Uh, what do I know about Sergio? <laughs> well, let, let me introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Sergio. I come from Barcelona, Spain. I have been living in Japan, in Tokyo exactly, for four years. And, well, uh, yeah, I got graduated in the Faculty of Informatics of Barcelona. And, well, I love hacking, I love technologies, I love business, some part of activism, and social projects, like Morris. So, so um, it, it's hard to tell from that introduction, but uh, Sergio is actually a highly experienced senior engineer. So he's sort of <laughs> sort of the format of this podcast is me as the somewhat more junior engineer and Sergio as the somewhat more senior engineer are going to be talking about a number of different topics. And hopefully in the over the course of our converse, conversations, as I learn things from Sergio uh, and as we discuss things, you get to learn things as well. <laughs> Thank you to be so humble, but I think that everybody knows different areas. So even maybe I have been more years with computers, maybe we know different things. So thank you. All right. So uh, for our inaugural episode, we wanted to talk about a topic that we've actually been talking about at lunch for the past few days, which is the GitLab database incident. Um, just to give you a tiny bit of background. So GitLab is a company... For, that uh, lets you store code online. It's very similar to GitHub. And last week they had a database in incident that was all over Hacker News. And, well, uh, Sergio, what, what happened? Or actually, let, let's get started with that. What is GitLab, the company? Because this is kind of embarrassing to say, but I actually didn't really know what GitLab was before last week. Okay. Uh, 
I think GitLab has been a company that has been amazing because two main points. One is that everybody works remotely. So all the employees of that company, that they are more than 100, they are working from different places of the world. Uh, and the second thing is that they are pretty transparent. They, for example, they prepare a handbook that this handbook uh, explains all the steps that you must do inside the company. Like, for example, uh, a meeting, who has to get the role in a process. And, well, if you join the company, you have all the documentation there. Nobody has to tell you, oh, you have must do this or the other. So, yeah, I think that they have been so transparent on everything that they did. I think it's an example that every engineer should even read their guides and to know a bit about what they what they do. But but this that they said is about the um, the big picture. But if we go deeper, what is exactly GitLab? GitLab mm -hmm. is a company, like it's a competition of GitHub. And these guys, they have an enterprise product that you install in your machine, in your servers, if you want, or you have the cloud. And this one is, yeah, it's more a product, a pack, an enterprise. You have your own privacy, your data. Yeah, so yeah, it's a competition of GitHub with more vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're selling an on-premise product to business as opposed to a purely cloud-hosted product. Yeah, mainly. Mainly, this is the 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 biggest product. Oh, so in a sense, if their database goes down, if you're an enterprise customer and everything's hosted locally, it doesn't actually matter to you. Yeah, that's what happened. The the, the information of the repositories, they were stored in a, in their local machines, but these guys, they are handling other process. For example, the webhooks. The webhooks mm. is the calls that uh, the clients are making. Well. So... so. <laughs> Just, just, just to, so that I make sure I understand what this like, what differentiates them from GitHub? Like, why would somebody? I mean, obviously they have their own unique management process, but what do you know? What their sales pitch is? I I know I know what they said about they they just provide better tools than GitHub, and they are yeah. I I I think that the biggest point is that you can have everything in enterprise level, so it means that. For developing, you have all the all the steps for developing the the an application. You have all the steps, and from the start, from the idea to the feedback of the customer. So everything you need for a start a, a technologically company, a technologically company, you can have with them. So you only have to care about these guys. You don't need everything else. Only with them, they are gonna provide you all the tools to finish from the start, from the idea to retrieve the feedback. So this is like GitHub, but with um, even more complex, no? <laughs> well, more features and more integrations. That's it. Okay, cool. So uh, what made me a little bit more aware of GitLab last week was this post on Hacker News. And uh, so let's, let me just go over what happens. This is the GitLab database incident, and it's a Google Doc and it's dated uh, 2017, January 31. And the first thing you'll notice in it is it has a link to a YouTube live, live stream. And it says, follow us live, debating and problem solving, exclamation point. So <laughs> right. You, usually like when, when there's some big database incident at a company, the first thing you see is you'll see uh, developers talking on Twitter. You know, is it down? Is it down for me? Is it down for you? The next thing you'll see is maybe a status page something like the Amazon status page or the Google status page, you'll go there and it'll see, you'll see some stat statistic that indicates that maybe everything is not working at, uh, isn't 100%. Um, and then, you know, at some point it'll come back up and then a few days or maybe a week later, you'll get a sort of business side, marketing side postmortem, which explains that you know, despite everything that was done ahead of time, you know, all these procedures were already taken care of. They had everything in place. But due to these uh, incredibly unfortunate and unforeseen circumstances, this thing happened. And then uh, to prevent this thing from recurring, uh, we've taken all these steps. And that's usually a pretty polished document that um, is pretty easily, <laughs> pretty easily digestible. Uh, this is definitely... This is like the thing went down. 
watch us live troubleshooting. Watch us up to update the Google Doc as we troubleshoot. And this document, as a postmortem, is basically it's it's a it's troubleshooting notes from the day that it happened. Uh, this is not. Uh, I checked their website to see if I could find a couple of days later, like a you know more business side postmortem. But as far as I can tell, this is it right now. So, uh, so from my understanding, they were trying to do a database migration uh, fairly around 11 p.m. and uh, something didn't go well. And in the process, they ended up deleting about uh, well, the, the database was 310 gigabytes, and they deleted all but the last four gigabytes of it. So, Sergio, how did that? W- t- tell us more about what happened there, uh, from your understanding of you know reading this document. Yeah, well, I think I think we sh- we could go very deep to this document, but there are two things. One is someone did something that he never had to do, and the second is that everything else was never tested. Okay, uh, then we can. Mm, we can go in the different points. No, there were like five measures that mm-hmm. they were failing. Uh, yeah. So, so the the biggest problem is that that the probably probably from my point of view, I think the problem, the biggest one, was that nothing was automatically prepared. Hmm. Everything was manual, and this is another topic that we can talk later more about. That is, uh, yeah, how how the employee he's trying to figure out everything himself mm-hmm. and everything has been already um created no there are there are already good practices for doing this kind of uh deployment this kind of database maintenance mm-hmm. uh so why no why these kind of people that they are so smart and believe me they are uh they had this kind of basic mistakes no that they never try the restore of the database or they they never had this uh kind of uh monkey monkey how is that <laughs> chaos, chaos monkey, monkey chaos monkey that they go down no and they test that everything happened because these guys at the end they were a provider no so these guys right. they were uh, getting a lot of data about um, so many clients, no, and mm-hmm. so the, the, that's a question, no. Uh, the, these guys, they they have they have an amazing app, they have an amazing uh, product that they are selling, and I would really like to try them. But later, internally, something happened, no, and and from me, I think that is not about the command that they run. Mm-hmm. It's about more deeper the question. It's about okay, but didn't do everything automatic. And then there is another one, another question that we can talk about is why didn't just uh, self-contract to another third-party company this kind of maintenance? No? Why didn't use AWS? Why didn't use Heroku? Why didn't use uh, Google Cloud Formation, Google Cloud? Uh, wh- why they did everything so custom instead of just yes, relying on another um, service that has all of this done? They, do they prefer to buy to contract a guy instead of just contract a good hosting platform? This is a, a question that maybe we can learn from this. Okay, so suppose that you're you're in a situation where you have a large SQL database. Uh, you're running a startup. You're running some kind of business. If you yeah. were CTO of that business, what would you what would your options be? Like why? Would you just say put it on AWS and don't worry about it, or yes? Uh, I think I think the question here has time. What means time? Ten years ago, I will tell you. Oh, let's have our own database. Let's have uh, privacy, because there is no product in the market that they really ensure or privacy or good practices. Everything that we need, the minimum. Uh, ten years ago, that that was mm. normal. Everybody did, but right now, after ten years, I think we are on another level. In my previous company, uh, we really, even we use Amazon, we really prepared a lot of custom tools. We we did everything for ourselves, and in that moment, I didn't think too much about. But I I finished now preparing, for example, all the platforms to deploy a Docker. Docker uh, cluster, mm-hmm. but I did everything myself. Mm-hmm. But right now, 
I think I learned a bit about this. I, I think it's an improvement. I think from my point of view, that's it. And the improvement is that I'm not going to do everything myself. I prefer, I prefer, I prefer to um, invest in a provider who is going to do mm-hmm. that job and write. I want something, someone who is serious, no, professional. So if I have to be even a, bit, a little bit more, I don't care. And, and the question is why? Because... For me, if I am the CTO, what I want is a product. And what I want is the business logic of my product. And what is my business? My business is to host data or my business is to provide more value to the company? Mm. That's that. That's for me. What's the most important? Yeah. So if I am the CTO right now, I am gonna search uh, the different uh, competitors, to, platforms that they have what I need, and then I will try to choose one of them. The problem, the problem comes when when there is nobody like this, or maybe they are not good enough because some features. For example, I have listened mm. from some friends, Spanish guys, that they are so huge that they cannot really deploy with something that has been only proved by some months. Because they need something so enterprise level that they must use uh, a version very old of MySQL or Postgres, mm-hmm. or but they cannot go in any way to a kind of kind of NoSQL or uh, Aurora or other technology that is too new. No, for example, there are a lot of people that they don't really like Docker mm-hmm. or even serverless. Serverless, okay? Mm. They don't really like, but. What's the problem? No, what's the, because well, I understand that sometimes it's the company that they are so big, and other times I think that they are just um, maybe afraid to lose their jobs because they don't have to do nothing if everything is done and they have just to pay a little <laughs> bit. So, so you're saying you you know you're you. In some sense, you know, engineers, you know, people who at you you went to school for maybe four or six years, you have a computer science degree, and if it turns out you can outsource your entire job to a cloud provider, and sometimes I mean, there is some pride in being able to manage and administer your own database. But I, what I want to go back to is like, so this is a Postgres uh, database. It's three hundred and ten yeah. gigabytes. Is that large? I mean, you know, ten years ago. You know, 310 gigabytes in the database is huge. I mean, you know, we had hard drives, maybe 310 gigabytes, but is 310 gigabytes big? No, no, it's it's not. It's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> okay. uh, it is. It, 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 I mean, it's a space. It's, it's, it's something about what we are, what we have in my personal computer. No, but mm-hmm. if you have some movies right now, every movie, maybe it can, maybe 20 gigabytes. If it's in the best format, no. So, so I, I think it, it's not so much it, right now. It's not so much. The problem that they had, if we go deeper in the technical side, is that they were migrating from a staging to production, and the staging hard drive it was, uh, it has a number of IOPS uh, mm-hmm. input output operations, and this was the bottleneck, no. So when they restore the staging database that contains the production information to production again. Uh, they they had a bottleneck very huge, but in other case that copy will be very fast. And talking about if uh, it's gonna be a slow the database mm-hmm. with this number of information, no. It, what is more important in this kind of database is the index. When you have everything indexed and the design of your business logic or your code is taking information from the database in the right way, like, for example, only getting by ID, mm-hmm. don't try to make a, a scan database. You can use several tools for analyze what is really happening. So if you have everything, like, prepared and in a smart way, in a normal way, uh, it's, it's not going to be a problem. That's the, the size is not the problem. The problem is how you design mm-hmm. the business logic to retrieve the data. So let, let's go back to exactly what happened. So... You said he was trying to restore from staging to production. What what was what was he trying to do? Yeah, well, I I think because at the end I don't really know all the details. Right, I right. just know like you. Uh, I I think these guys what they had is a system that every day they dump the information from production 
to staging so they could try with the data of staging. The staging at the end is an environment but that we use create in the companies to try everything before going to production. So if there is any significant Significantly back, we are going to detect before going to production. So what they did is all the data of production, they moved to staging. That, that's a really huge problem. And if we talk security, that's that's very bad because in in some enterprise level uh, environments, we used to give sev- different permissions to staging to production. So mm. what it means is uh, in some companies, you're going to see that as employee, as engineer, you are going to only be able to see some kind of data that mm. maybe is just develop develop data and testing data, for example, right. staging. But in this company, what we got is that every engineer, this guy, he was able to access both of them, mm. staging and production. If you dump everything from production to staging, what is going to happen is that if you have enough access to access staging, you have critical data of the user. Right, right. Of course, may, may, maybe these guys, and, and that's true at the end, that's not the that's not the worst, but maybe these guys, they just only having some webhooks, they have some logs. Maybe there were no, no sensitive data in this database. But even like this, I think it's a bad, um, it's like a kind of mistake, no? To, to share a staying production some near. But I, I think as, as we have seen, because mm-hmm. there were so many things that were, went wrong, it means that um, the, the good practice, they were not followed. In any case, mm. it's, it's like, um, sorry, there was something wrong. And um, I, yeah, I, I think the problem, and when we talk about later about security, uh, you have to realize that it's not about one problem about several consecutive problems mm. and right now we are talking about this company because they are amazing i right. read their hangu the the handbook and they were very good so uh, i i understand that one friend he has a company uh, maybe just two four guys in a small startup and and they are trying something new they don't have so much money they don't do backups or they do every day something like that no it, it happens and we don't even listen about these cases but a company like this 20 billions i i think that yeah, you have to review this kind of policies. And, mm. and this is something that everybody must learn about. Yeah, it's not about the technical side, about if they just copy one directory to another, or but things like, oh, please, don't execute a command in a production uh, server. That's, right. that's completely com- normal. Or, for example, uh, just make a script, make everything automatic. At assertion, assert, and assert. An assert is a condition that must be validated before something happens. Mm-hmm. So I think too many mistakes no, in a row. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, one of the comments that I was reading on Hacker News uh, was talking about you know, the importance of making checklists and you know writing down what you're going to do be- before you do something. But I think the point you just made is that if you made it into a script, that is your checklist. So yeah. instead of relying on the person to manually handle those assertions and follow everything in like step by step, you know, make it into a process, make it into a procedure, make it into a script that can actually be tested. That's right. That's right. I am I, talking right now about to make a script, but if we go in the enterprise level, in the professional or professional level, I will say that I will uh, th- this machine nobody must have access to there. Nobody. So uh, mm. everything should be automatic. Everything should be in just a, a admin panel and mm-hmm. a dashboard that you can say, hey, something is happening. And these guys, they have privilege to do that. And for example, for example, another thing that happened here is that they execute the command, everything mm-hmm. was gone, and it was impossible to recover. Well, I think that these kind of commands that they are so destructive, like... Uh, RM, uh, maybe maybe if you have Windows script or a, a Lambda or whatever you want, automatically with an admin panel, maybe maybe you can do a backup before remove the database. No, so mm-hmm. if something happens, you will be able to do the backup. This guy that he started to work in this plan or whatever, uh, he he did a backup six hours before mm-hmm. the, the the problem. So. He he handled in some way the situation, but it was not enough at all. So yeah, hmm. too many mistakes in one row. <laughs> okay, so I think we talked a little bit about 
the process issues that were going on there. But they also, you know, they thought they had backups. So let's talk about the five potential backups that they ended up not having. Let, let, let me actually just see if I can find the list here, just to say. Yeah, if you can find this, the list. <laughs> Pause podcast. <laughs> okay, so there are actually seven problems encountered. And out of the seven, five backup replication techniques deployed. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny because this is not a post-mortem. So a lot of it is still written in the present tense. Like it's like, we're now restoring a backup from six hours ago that worked. When was that written? I mean, I can go into like the, the Google Doc history and figure out who wrote that when. But I'm sure, you know, right now on what, February 5th, like <laughs> this is not like six hours ago that they were still doing something. But okay, so problem one, LVM snapshots are by default only taken once every 24 hours. YP happened to run one manual, happened to run one, I'm not sure why, but he happened to run one manually six hours prior to the outage. Uh, regular backups seem to only be taken once per 24 hours, uh, though YP has not been able to figure out where they are stored. <laughs> again, again, this, this probably should have been updated at some point. Okay, disk, sna disk snapshots in Azure are enabled for the NFS server, but not for the database servers. For me, actually, just looking at this, like, given the phrasing here, it says, disk snapshots in Azure are enabled for the NFS server, but not for the DB servers. It's like, yeah. is it, did they, what, what you can't tell here is, did they intend to enable them for the DB servers and they just didn't? Or did they not intend to enable them and so they weren't enabled. If it's actually the case that they didn't intend to enable disk snapshots, <laughs> like, okay, uh, Sergio. Yeah, well, I, I think that here is something that probably they try, maybe they try, but we have to remember that if you enable something like NFS and the backups, uh, this is going to hit a lot the performance of the database. So because the database is writing a lot of information, you don't really want to have so many mechanisms that it will slow down because then you will need bigger and, high, and ex more expensive servers to maintain all of this. So maybe these guys, and it's normal, it, it happens a lot. Maybe these guys, they had in this in the, what business logic, API servers, the NFC backups enabled because it was something normal. The, the, the hard drive is not being hit all the time. But then for the DB servers, it was something that technically speaking, it was maybe too much, no? Of mm. course, it was not the problem, but well. Right, yeah. right. It's just, it's just sort of odd to me that it's written as though they intended to have, well, it's written, it's like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It just it's like, were they planning on using the? Were they planning if they if they were planning on using disk snapshots as a database as a mechanism for database backup, and somebody forgot to turn them on? Well, you want to know who forgot to turn them on. But no. if they weren't planning on using database snapshots or database, if they weren't planning on using disk snapshots of the database servers as a backup mechanism. I mean, if that wasn't the plan, it's it's not a, like you can't say that our backup mechanism failed if it wasn't and if we if we never said if we never intended to use it as a backup mechanism. Like I don't think yeah. you know if I don't set my phone to like backup to iCloud or backup to iTunes, like I don't expect them to just magically back up somehow. Like okay, but that's that's only number three. <laughs> we still have four yeah, more. I, okay, I, I I don't think that they thought so far away like you. I think that they are just listing a couple measures that they could have done but they didn't mm. do because in that moment for me it's completely normal that they didn't enable i understand this measure like they had of course later they just problems encounter but it's just a listen of something they could have done but this as i said before there are layers in the in in the technologically side so this is a one that they never enable and i don't think that they thought we had to enable. Right. I think the problem is the other six ones, maybe, you know, but this okay. one is not. So, yeah. All right. Number four, the syn synchronization process removes webhooks once it has synchronized data to staging. Unless we can pull these from a regular backup from the last 24 hours, they will be lost. It's interesting because th these are like real-time problems that were encountered at some time on January 31st or February 1st. And... I'm not actually sure. I mean, given this document, it's unclear sort of what, what was the status. Did they 
were they able to pull uh, these from regular backups for, or were they not? Um, anyway, so num- number five, uh, the replication, <laughs> the replication, the replication procedure is super fragile, prone to error, relies on a handful of random shell scripts, and is badly documented. Ouch! I I, I didn't write it. <laughs> I'm just reading. <laughs> Uh, number six our backups to S3 apparently don't work either the bucket is empty that uh, I mean is that the punchline okay Uh, this one for example this one is 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 terrible because you don't really recognize your own bill Mm -hmm. I mean when you have S3 you are paying a bill and when you are paying a bill you must estimate how much you are paying if the CTO didn't check the S3 to take how much he's paying for the infrastructure mm-hmm. and he has a reasonable inf- uh, number, I, th- I think that's very bad. The other ones, for example, about uh, the webhooks that th- he they didn't save a historical um, webhooks, that's, I think that's wrong. For example, there are companies like Stripe that they save for 15 days all the mm-hmm. webhooks and all the events and everything. So that's nice. They, they give you this march, this, this range of days. But the six, the number six, or backups of two S three apparently don't work either. The bucket is empty. It's like, uh, what? Nobody take a look here. Uh, we we really create this feature. We really create because I think that they never they never create this feature. Mm. They, yeah, yeah. So uh, th- there is uh, something that is very well said. Is that if you have never ever tried to restore your database, you don't have backups. Right. Right. Yeah, if you've never tried to restore your iPhone, you don't have a backup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, where are you for <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, num- number seven, we don't have solid uh, alerting paging from when- for when backups fail, uh, for when backups fails, and we are seeing this in the dev host two now. This is the same that uh, the, the point three, the same problem. They thought now that they didn't have, but nobody cared. So maybe here, maybe maybe more interesting than mm-hmm. just these points that I think that is just a lot of excuses. In some case, okay, because at the end, what happened is what happened. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that um, what 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 we rea- realize is that technically speaking, nobody had the control about what was happening. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe here, and it's more interesting because I have seen that that kind of happens, is that maybe the head leader of the technical side, and I'm, I'm not talking about the CTO, okay? Because the CTO sometimes is a business guy, even it should not be, but we are gonna, we can talk about another day, but <laughs> okay. the, the, the lead engineer in the backend, he should have focused his job to review everything that the others did. I mean, maybe the head engineer, maybe, maybe, I don't know, I'm just guessing, maybe this guy, he was working too hard, maybe he was working like, okay, I have to finish this because we have a client that we have to provide, so I don't have time to review the versions of Postgres, I don't have time for the backups, I don't have nothing of that, nothing, I don't have time for nothing, so this guy, he was under pressure and he didn't do his job, that is, was review everything that the employees were doing he just was another employee and well i i, I think that yeah that from my point of view this is what happened i think mm. when you are responsible when you are someone who is another people uh is down of you you manage them you must be with them and be with them is not to be writing code be with them is is to unblock them is to really uh know what is happening when they ask you something to be fast to answer them, you must be able to know what you ask them and then to do that. Maybe we discovered, and that's really, this really worries me, that we discovered that to work remotely must be something more than to be in your house. No, it's like, okay, maybe we forgot a couple of things like the the head leader, he must he must check about all the steps. And mm. uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't really know, but this, I mean, I feel that I have contra- contradictory, opposite opposite feelings, no? Well, I mean, it's interesting that we keep going back to, I mean, these are, these are clearly 
incredibly talented engineers. I mean, it's it's sure. very very easy to like read this document and kind of giggle just because, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, because this document is it's very harsh on themselves. It's it's something that they've written and it's very harsh on themselves. But and it's you know, as somebody who's just reading the document, it's easy enough to say, oh, ha ha ha, they they didn't do this or they didn't do that. But yeah, they they are clearly incredibly talented engineers. And these are people that are definitely working at a level that's way higher than the level that I work at. Um, and it's quite impressive. But I think what we keep coming back to is that there's there's this other component of like process and management that is mm -hmm. so critical in creating a product where it's like, and I think what you were just saying earlier is it, this, the sort of contradict like when people think of managers or they think of uh, of like you know people in leadership positions within companies they think of people that tell that tell people below them what to do like you have to do this you have to do that um but what you're ta describing is this incredibly important part of management which is unblocking talented engineers like getting people to do their best work by setting the right direction and then making sure that there's nothing in their way so the engineers don't have to worry about you know, the things that they don't need to worry about. They can just focus on what they're doing. Yeah, so I think we keep co coming back to... So I don't... I I guess what I want to say there was that uh, I definitely don't want to take anything away from the incredible engineering talents of the engineers that are working there, but definitely seems like there is some potential management or process issues. Yeah, I, I think the difference is some years ago, we had bosses. We had someone who said what to do, and that's it. And right now, we need leaders in our teams. No, so that that's a big difference. Mm, mm. <laughs> All right. So I, I think we've we've gone through the GitLab stuff a little bit. Is there anything? Uh, uh I mean, I there. I think there's so many other things that we could talk about here. We could talk about DevOps, what that means. We could talk about uh, the transparency model. We could talk about how GitLab works, but for this podcast, is there anything else we want to cover? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 I think we we can, as you said, we can talk to so many things, but maybe maybe the last question, no, about mm -hmm. who's responsible, no? I, I I like a lot what you said about um, who's responsible. But in the technical side, in the technical side, we have we have seen a huge transparent pro process, no. But right. in the business side, did anybody from marketing said, "Oh, this is what we're gonna do"? I, I'm sh I'm sure that they're apologizing to everybody, no. So, yeah, I I guess that even they don't fight to this guy because it's important to know that if he was able to do that, it's because he had the responsibility. So mm -hmm. if you don't have the responsibility, you are not able to do that. But even even this happens, I think that if you are responsible, it's because you know how to handle the problem and how to predict the problem because this is not something new, okay? There are so many companies that they delete right. the, the database. So I, th I think that from my point of view, even it's very nice to do the post-mortem, to be transparent and tell us what happened and we can learn because I'm sure everybody the next day was checking the, the, the backups. Uh, <laughs> yes, even this happened, I think that, that that was very unprofessional in some way. Yeah, it, it, it's I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to cover this too much on this podcast because we're running a little long, but I was really interested in how you know, from, from, <laughs> you're giving me the, because the, you know, the, from the technical side, they're incredibly transparent. I mean, they're literally like commands that they are typing on the command line in this document. So like, we know the exact detail, like we have all these facts about the situation. Like at this time, this thing happened at this time, this thing happened, but we don't, we don't have any of that from the business side. And we also don't have, you know, th these are just facts. It's like, you know, uh, it's the fact that my iPhone is on the desk. It's the fact that, you know, um, I, I'm holding a pen in my hand. But with those two things, they don't actually tell us the complete picture of what's happening inside the organization. So in, in one sense, they're incredibly transparent and it's incredibly modern and forward thinking. And it's like, oh my God, we can we can see actually what's happen happening. But on the flip side of that, you know, I if I had to 
summarize this entire report, you know, I think it would be pretty easy to do in like two or three sentences. Yeah, you're right. I but wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so let's. I don't know. Is there is there a happy message that we can leave on? <laughs> leave on because this is, you know, what one of the. Uh, we we talked about a lot of different potential titles for this podcast. The original title was like, Hey, Sergio. But, uh, you know, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about is like, we've got to be happy. We want to be fun. So <laughs> is there anything happy or fun in the, uh, the, GitHub, the GitLab incident report? No, well, I, I think we can learn so much. I think that uh, it's experience. Everything that happened and uh, probably, probably is the first time that we have seen everything Live, we mm-hmm. have seen so many trolling, trolling to these people because when they did mm-hmm. the video, everything was crazy there. I remember I joined when there were two thousand person watching, and I left when wow. we were four four thousand. So uh, it was increasing. No, it's like it, I I think it was something epic. I told my, to my girlfriend like, oh, this is history. This is mm-hmm. history. But I I think that um, this is just wrong this is like accept that you were not this kind of professional and maybe i don't know i don't know i i really i'm speaking but we're just guessing these guys maybe they were Hmm. thinking to get more clients just doing that because right now everybody knows them because maybe good things bad things but everybody is talking about them so who knows? Who knows about the their strategy? You know, maybe they were running out of funds, and and they said, oh, maybe we can get more. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But what they know is that right now everybody knows about who, who are the, these guys. Um, of course, I think I think from my point of view, or at least uh, I think if we talk about international, because we could compare this happened in USA, you know, mainly, mainly in USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth is that the, the founders they are from the east of Europe, uh, but mm. the company has been found by USA funds investors. So I, I think that these guys they they are gonna have somehow another opportunity. I think in USA is this kind of okay, you fail but you learn, and the next time you're gonna do it better, and well, you're gonna be awesome, no? Because you are really you know what happened and how you are fa- you are failing. No, that's not my point of view. I don't share this this point of view because I think, as we said before, that the count the problems that they encounter the well, the the yeah the problems that they encounter um they 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 encounter but they never thought about. So it mm-hmm. was not a problem that is like oh I forgot to enable. No no, it's a problem that no you never design the feature. You mm-hmm. prefer to sell to more clients and to become bigger than to sell that. So in as I said, maybe in USA is an opportunity. I don't really know, but I can tell you that in Spain this is to be fired. But in the <laughs> moment, nobody is gonna tell you nothing. So probably the sales team is gonna talk with every client and say hey sorry I lost this number of of the information because. Mm, uh, internal problem, okay, that can happen. Nobody's going to release this kind of information in Spain, so this is something positive of this company. I like it, but... Uh, and then in Japan, I think that you will have to apologize to everybody, <laughs> to, all, to all the team, all the clients, mm, yeah, and probably later you are going to have to leave your job and I, I, I don't know, I don't know, I really don't know, but I will be very interested is... What what could happen in all of these three countries if now your name is like so popular because now is we know every all the name of this guy. So if you are so popular and you know that you screw up the database, uh, are you gonna be hired by another company? Because mm. I, I can tell you that I have been working in security for a long time and I can tell you that if you release any kind of sensitive information you are never ever gonna be hired, uh, hired by another security company. Right. So if you break the rules, the NDA, whatever, even they don't, they cannot or they don't punish you. They will know, and the wall is too small to know. So, well, it was very. I mean, it was very interesting to me that there's definitely like, uh, like performative aspect to this, where like, you know, the. There, there's old school media where media is like produced ahead of time and it's edited and it's, you know, you and then there's like modern media, which is like 
I am streaming live on Instagram from my phone. Watch me now. And it's definitely like like this idea that for I mean they they've proved it that you know <laughs> you don't you don't have to be in media or fashion to get 4000 people watching you do your job on on a live stream. And there's something about it it's definitely also a, mod, a part of modern culture where it doesn't really matter if you succeed or fail. It only matters how you looked doing it. Like was it cool? Did you did you like how how did you appear in the selfie? And in a sense there's this like it's like look at us. Oh my god, this is so crazy. We're going to do this. And it's like uh I don't want to touch on politics in the podcast, but there's definitely like uh, Sergio is giving you the big like Batsu, big X mark. But yeah, it's like uh, it's it's a very interesting part of this part of like modern culture where it's like you know traditionally people would go to their professors with an excuse for why their homework is late, like you know oh I couldn't complete the assignment on time because I was sick or because you know I had you know a death in the family or something terrible happened. But then there's the <clears throat> there's the like modern more 21st century thing which is like I didn't complete my homework because I was busy. Can you please give me an extension? Like like there's not like it's like look at me. I'm I'm not even making excuses. I'm just coming up there and I'm facing the facts and I'm saying I didn't do my homework. Please give me an extension. Um and I don't think you should get an extension for that. But uh yeah, right now that you are talking about excuses, I think that is a very good name for this document. And you remember two things in the document that mm-hmm. they wrote. One is that they are talking about uh, that they have a spike in the database because they had a lot of spam users. Right. So from from my point of view, is something that is I don't care. Everybody has <laughs> spam users. Is is like something that is not right. relevant. Sorry, tell me tell me what happened. Why happened? Who did that? Because I think in internal documents it's important who did to, to really be able. It's, it's, it's important. You are going to have to go to the investors to tell who did. And then uh, the last thing is, okay, how you are going to improve the system to make mm. it better. No, I think they handle all, all of this in the document. I think that they really learn a lot. But that's mm-hmm. the first point. And the second one is that there is a moment in the document that it, it, he's talking like, Oh, I am tired. I'm gonna do it the next day. So mm. that's something that it's like. Oh, because I'm tired, I deleted the database. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. It's something that uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I think I will not do that part. Yeah, I read this here. At this point, frustration begins to kick in. What? <laughs> it's like. No, sorry. You are a professional. You you have a good salary, and if you don't have, just go to another company. Sorry. Uh, you are a good professional. You you must be in that level, or just change your job. So, sorry, sorry. That that's very difficult words or hard words, but yeah. Well, it, it's it's so interesting that they're like they're sharing the 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 live experience of what is happening. It's like I this happened, and it's 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 not just the technical side. It's like how we felt at that period. Like I, it was frustrating, and it, it's def, it's performance, and it I mean it's performance, and it got four thousand viewers live. Yeah, but performance in which way? You 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 are talking that this is a okay. It's gonna be public document, but at mm-hmm. the end, the, this was an internal document. This right. is not. I mean, they made public, but it was internal. Uh, and this in this moment, he's saying, "Oh, he's frustrated, whatever." Uh, well, uh, what do you mean that? Did you were uh, under pressure because your boss told you to do that that night? Maybe it was your fault that you were not um, professional enough to say, hey, stop here. It's not working. Tomorrow I will try. Or just call to another colleague, no? They they, are, they, they have several right. people working in this department. So he, they were uh, when, when they did the YouTube Live, there were four guys there, at least four guys. So mm-hmm. what are you saying? That this guy, he was like just... Just in a bad mood, and just he crashed the table. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure that if I go to my boss, telling him, "Oh, you know, I was tired and I deleted the database," but you know, I stopped one second up before, and we had still four gigabytes. No? <laughs> it's like I didn't delete a hundred percent of the database. Yeah. <laughs> I only deleted like you know. Um... <laughs> 
oh my god most of the database but there's like you know one or two percent left it's just just around there come on no sorry sorry that that's 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 too many things that um, i i love we can say that this document is amazing to be the transparency and then maybe this this shows that is so rot rotten no the, the <laughs> project that but i i i, I can we, we can talk about um, a little bit about my experience with yeah, these yeah, yeah. kind of things because at the end in my previous companies uh-huh. i have been already in, in in four companies i think in any of them they had this so bad even yes yes i mean uh i i we never like for example, I never had the access to the production to to delete all of this stuff. No, they have, mm. for example, uh, and well, it depends a lot about the product that you develop. No, but you had different clients with different databases. So if one of them is uh, gone, because but once once in my second company they hacked one server and I had to do a for, forensic analysis mm-hmm. and well I I saw what happened everything how they 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 compromised the server but in that moment nobody else was compromised and we even create a document for that client we tell them what happened step by mm-hmm. step it was I think very professional I I don't I was not this kind of uh, emotions uh, third party problems like the spam users I, I think in that moment i i prepared because it was my responsibility mm-hmm. i prepared a document that was quite more professional than this one and as i said uh we didn't have like everything was gonna be compromised and that's done even even well in that moment i was the responsible of security so i check all the parameters mm-hmm. all the how everything was separated so I, I am sure that right now i can i could improve that process a, a much more than before but believe me we had backups we had backups in several places we knew how to restore them mm-hmm. we knew about the versions in production was different and we had a very very strict policy to deploy or to do all of this because yeah yeah it was much more strict yeah all right so themes of the episode pessimism (laughs) pessimism no like professionalism policy procedure leadership management exciting stuff all right so that was the first episode and uh great i'll talk to you next week see you (laughs)